Word of God, which we'll ponder for a few moments this morning, is recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, it says we're going through verse 11, but I gave Holly the wrong verses. We're actually going through verse 12, and you'll see why. Because we'll leave Elijah on the ground, and at the end of verse 12, he's up in heaven, and we get to hear Elisha's reaction. Elijah, prophet of the Lord, and we read about his departure from this world as we read in 2 Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along, And talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses appeared. And a fire separated, and it separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in the whirlwind. This is now verse 12. Elisha saw this and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. This is God's word in 1 Kings chapter 11. And we'll bow our heads in prayer. Excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 2 through verse, through verse 12. We pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Dear brothers and, and sisters in Christ Jesus, have you ever played the game hide and seek? Have you ever watched children playing the game hide and seek? I've done both, having kids, but I'll have to say that sometimes it's fun just observing children as they're playing hide-and-seek. I remember watching my kids and some of their little friends one time, and they had the game all organized. Here's the the seeker who's going to go over here and count and close his eyes, and everyone else is going to scurry and find their little hiding places. And so the counter begins. One, two, three, and it was always ten. Whenever they hit ten, that was when the counter would say, ready or not, here I come. And as I was watching the kids play that day, every single time that happened, one of the little hiders would yell, but I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Are you? I'm not asking if you're ready for your hiding spot in the game of hide and seek. I'm asking, are you ready 
and prepared for the responsibilities God has given you in life? Are you ready and prepared for the end of your life? I'm one of those people that when I, you know, dream at night when I'm sleeping, I can often remember my dreams. And I've had this repeating dream of sorts over the years in my life. And it goes something like this. The details change, but the basic message is the same. I have something coming up in my life. And so in my dreams, I, I'm going somewhere and my luggage isn't packed. Or I need to be somewhere at a certain time and I haven't eaten breakfast yet. Or somebody's saying, hey, we're waiting for you. It's time to get out the door and I can't find my shoes anywhere. Another variation of this dream is as a pastor, I'm often speaking, so sermons or, or presentations, and in my dream, I've got this sermon or this presentation, and somebody says the day of, are you ready? And I go, no, <laughs> I'm not ready. True story, I even had a dream one time that I knew in my dream that I was going to die. And in my dream, I remember thinking, am I ready? Are you now you might say, this is really weird, preacher, that you have these kind of dreams, but I'm going to guess that I'm not the only one who's had thoughts like this, like this before. Thoughts about, am I prepared for all that God has placed in my life, all of the responsibilities that God has given me? Or you go all the way to the end of your life and you say, am I ready for the day when I die? Am I ready? Well, the beautiful thing about God's word is it actually takes that from a question to an exclamation today. That you and I get to watch and observe as this excited Elijah and this equipped Elisha are prepared. And as we marvel at what God is teaching them and teaching us through them, you and I can say, yes, I am ready. I am ready for all that the Lord puts before me. I want to read the first verse. And I want to read the last verse of the text one more time because I want you to pay attention to where Elijah began his day and where Elijah ends his day. So this was verse 1. It says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in the whirlwind. Oh, sorry. I skipped, skipped the verse. Yeah, Elisha, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. That's the part I wanted to get at. And then the, la the last verse. As they were walking along and talking together, Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them and Elijah was taken up to heaven in the whirlwind. Now I kind of fumbled over the words there, but did you catch where he began his day? He's in Gilgal. And did you listen to where he ended his day? He's in heaven. You imagine that? <laughs> that you begin your day and you're walking to these dusty streets of whatever Gilgal streets were like and at the end of the day your toes are, are, are tickling the streets of gold in heaven. And he knew this. So I, I wonder, did Elijah get any sleep the night before? I think he did. And I think that as he's sleeping, he's having these wonderful dreams. The dreams of what it's going to be like to see God face to face. To see the God of his salvation. The God who loved him and forgave him. The God who brought him to faith and all those years kept him in the faith. And now he's seeing the culmination of his faith. My goodness, could you imagine that? That you know that at the end of the day, you're going to be with Jesus in heaven. What a glorious day that was for Elijah. But you know what? If you and I read the rest of Kings, like 1 Kings, Elijah had so many days that were not like this. When you follow Elijah's ministry, he's a prophet of the Lord. When you follow his ministry, so often he's alone 
he's on the run, he's dealing with some difficulty, and he's just weary and overwhelmed. I'll share just a few of them with you. So Elijah's a prophet of God to Israel in very godless times. If we lived in those days, two of the big gods that people were worshiping were Baal and Ashtoreth. And the king at that time, Ahab, and his wife Jezebel, they were all in on Baal. Well, Elisha's task was to tell them to turn from that unbelief back to the true God. So one of his first tasks that we find in scripture is he goes to King Ahab and he says, Okay, Ahab, it's not going to rain for three years. That's the Lord's message to you. You might think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, it's actually like a punch in the face of the God of Baal because the God of Baal was the rain God and the fertility God fertility of the land and fertility of the womb. And so it was like saying, you believe in a God who's going to provide rain? Well, watch what God does. You're not going to have any rain for three years. Immediately after that, guess where we find Elijah? He's not like, you know, flexing his muscles going, I told you so. No, he's off by himself. He's by a, a brook of water, which the Lord used to provide him with water. And every day a bird would fly in, ravens would fly in and bring him bread and meat. He was alone. He was on the run because King Ahab and Jezebel wanted him dead when he delivered that message. He's often dealing with difficulty. He's often weary and overwhelmed. This was Elijah's life and ministry. Well, three years pass, and God said, you're going to go back to Ahab, and you're going to tell him it's going to rain. So he goes back to Ahab. Remember, Ahab wanted to kill him, and he says, it's going to rain. Well, as that's going on, Elijah also challenged all these prophets of Baal to a contest. Maybe you've heard this story before. We're going to go up to Mount Carmel, he says. You're going to build an altar to your God. We'll put a sacrifice on it. I'm going to build an altar to my God. We'll put a sacrifice on it. And then we'll pray to our respective gods to send fire. You pray to Baal. I'll pray to the true God. And whoever's God sends fire, well, that's the God we worship. Now, I want to point something out. As they're setting up this contest, there were over a thousand prophets of Baal. Do you know how many prophets there were at this altar over here? One. This faithful prophet in these unfaithful times. Remember I told you, when you see Elijah in his ministry, he's often alone. He's often dealing with difficulty. He's often very weary. But this was a good day. So they prayed and prayed and prayed. Oh, Baal, please send fire. Well, of course, nothing happened because Baal's not a true God. And then came Elijah's turn. And no sooner does he say amen when poof, fire falls from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the altar. The Lord is God, the people were saying. It's this beautiful moment and you think now his ministry is going to take off. Those people are going to listen. Well, you read to the next chapter and guess who's taking off? It's not Elijah's ministry. It's Elijah himself because Queen Jezebel said, this guy has to die and so we find Elijah in the next chapter right after that. And guess what? He's on the run. He's alone. He's dealing with difficulty and he's weary. In fact, he's sitting under this, this broom tree, the Bible says. He's sitting under this tree. And he says, Lord, take my life. I've had, a, I've had enough. Remember I told you, Elijah, when you find him, he's often alone. He's often on the run. He's often dealing with disappointment. He's often weary. Can you relate to those things? But then you get to the end. You get to 2 Kings chapter 2, and this day is so very different. He knew that God was going to take him into heaven in a whirlwind. 
And I suppose that God could have sent that whirlwind in the middle of the night. People hear the sound, but nobody sees it. And the next day they're like, well, I guess Elijah's not here anymore. But he allowed Elisha, Elijah's successor, to see it. And he allowed these 50 prophets to see it. And God allows us through the pages of scripture, he allows those winds to sort of whip our face to see this faithful man of God being taken to heaven. Here's my question for you. Why? Why does God tell us this? I think a comparative story is the transfiguration account we read about Jesus. So Jesus is going to be on the cross a few months from when we read Mark 9. And he takes Peter, James, and John up this high mountain. And there he's transfigured before them. He shows his full heavenly glory. No, no, holding nothing back. And they're a little bit afraid. But at the same time, they're like, this is awesome. Why do that? Why did he show Peter, James, and John his full heavenly glory? And why does he allow you and and me on the pages of scripture here, why does he allow us to see these things? Well, I think it's because of all of those days of Elijah's ministry. Those days when he's alone, those days when he's weary, those days when he's disappointed, those days when he's on the run. Because we have days like that too, don't we? We have days where they're not always mountaintop experiences. If we're going to be honest, days in life is often like being down in the valley by yourself in despair. Jesus would be on a cross, Mark chapter 9. He'd be on a cross in a few months, and it doesn't look very glorious at all. But Peter, James, and John could remember that moment on the mountaintop and say, but we know that it's going to end well. It's going to end well with Jesus reigning on his throne in full and heavenly glory. Elijah himself had a lot of days where you say, this, what, what are we doing here, Elijah? This is not good. But then you read 2 Kings chapter 2 and you go, but it ends really well. Here's the point. We have a God of blessed endings. We have a God who allowed, to, allowed us to see Elijah's glorious moment as he's taken into heaven. And it's a reminder of that precious, precious gift of eternal life. Here's Elijah, and he's with his Lord forevermore. You and I also have that very precious gift of eternal life. You might ask, I asked this question at the beginning, are you ready for that moment when you die and you're standing before the Lord? Are you ready for that? Well, it's really a loaded question because you don't need to make yourself ready for it. Jesus himself said this. He said, in my father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. You get that point? Jesus prepares the place for us and Jesus prepares us for the place. Eternal life is his gift. He says, I've forgiven your sins. I've overcome death and I give this gift to you. Do you realize how precious this is? Well, I think one of the things I'm trying to help us to see here is when you look at this gift of eternal life, which we already have right now by faith, how does that help you on these days when you're alone and you're dealing with difficulty and you're weary? Doesn't it put them into perspective? So Elijah's life, all of these days where he's by himself, now you look at where Elijah is for eternity and you say, well, this far outweighs that. In fact, scripture says in in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that our light and momentary trouble doesn't compare with the glory to come. I'm going to guess you're dealing with difficulty in your life in some form. 
Maybe you feel lonely and isolated. Maybe you feel like you're running from something. But then you hold up this gift of eternal life, which God has so freely given in Jesus, and you say, I can look at those burdens and I can say they're light, even though they don't always feel that way, and I can say that they're momentary, even though it doesn't always feel that way. That gift of eternal life given from God through Jesus allows us to say, I am ready. I am ready when the end of my life would come. Well, that's the perspective from Elijah's perspective. Well, now let's look at Elisha, the man who's going to succeed him as prophet. I'm going to read verse 12 one more time because this is what happened when Elijah's taken up into heaven. Elisha saw him go up in the whirlwind and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. That might sound really weird. Like, what? Why, are, why did you say that? Instead of, see you later, man. <laughs> my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen, horsemen of Israel. Well, he recognized what kind of void this left. Back then, and this is still even true today, the strength of a nation was often found in its military. So if you had a nation that had a military of, let's say, 10 soldiers, that's not very strong. If you had a military of, a, of 10 million soldiers, you'd say, Wow, that is a powerful nation. Well, one of the best things for a military to have in those days was chariots and horsemen to lead those chariots. And if you had those, you would say, we have a strong nation. Think about what Elijah is saying. He is seeing this prophet go up into heaven, taken in a whirlwind, and he says, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. He's saying, there goes the strength of our nation. There goes that man who was not... It was a spiritual protector, one who was calling out the dangers of unbelief and calling people back to God. And he goes, there he goes. That's true even today. We give thanks for the physical protections we have, but the strength of a nation, the strength of a church, the strength of a home, the strength of a heart is not found in physical things, but it's found in the one who rules over all the nations. It's the one who gives us the strength and gives us the peace. It's found in God. But listen what Elisha is saying as he's looking up and he's seeing that prophet go away. He's recognizing, oh no. I'm the one that's left to pick up the mantle and be the the prophet of God, the spokesman of God, the the one who's going to be the protector of Israel. Am I ready for it? reason I say that is, did you notice the text? It, it's really a very simple text. There's a lot of dialogue. So Elijah knows it's his last day and he says to Elisha, his successor, well, I'm going to go to this city because the Lord sent me there. You can stay here. And he says, uh-uh, I'm not leaving you. As if to say, you can't go quite yet. I'm not ready. And then you have these company of prophets. Uh, I'll call them like the seminaries of the day. All of these seminary students are like, did you know the Lord's going to take him to heaven today? He's going to take him from you? And he says, quit talking about it. Why? Well, he could feel the weight of the responsibility that was put on him, that there's a void that would loom large, and now he's the one who has to be the spiritual protector of Israel. Here's my question. What's looming large in your life? What's the thing in your life that if somebody brought it up, you'd say, don't talk about that because you don't have a good solution for it yet? Maybe I speak as a parent, maybe it's the responsibility of raising children in a world that's not very godly. 
Maybe it's the responsibility of taking care of parents as they're aging and their health is declining. Maybe it's the responsibility of, I am a Christian in an ungodly world. How am I going to do it? What, what is that, that thing that's looming large in your life that you say, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this responsibility. I don't know if I can handle this responsibility. I'm going to guess if we spent enough time, we'd find them. But what a beautiful thing that as Elisha is watching this and he's feeling the weight of the responsibility that he got to see Elijah leave. You know why I say that's a beautiful thing? Because the God who was with Elijah through his whole ministry and who took him to heaven was now going to be with Elisha. That the God who prepared Elijah and equipped him would now prepare and equip Elisha. You also have the comment in there where Elijah says, okay, Elisha, what can I do for you? And he says, give me a double portion of your spirit. In other words, you were faithful and you were zealous and you were courageous. I need that times two. And Elijah said, well, if you see me as I'm going up into heaven, that means God's going to give it to you. And so he sees Elijah going up into heaven and what's that message? God's going to give you a double portion of my spirit. He's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the courage. He's going to give you the words. He's going to give you the peace. Think about what that means for you. God's going to give you the strength. God's going to give you the courage. God's going to give you the words and God's going to give you the peace because in your baptism, the spirit was poured out on you. Referencing the Holy Spirit. In God's word, what is he doing? Is He is bringing the words of spirit and life to you to strengthen you for whatever is in front of you. So if you fast forward, this is pretty cool. Remember, Elisha says as he watches Elijah going to heaven, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. When Elisha dies, do you know what the king said about him? This is King Jehoash. King Jehoash finds out that the prophet dies and he said this, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Sound familiar? In other words, he recognized he was the spiritual protector. That the Lord had, just as he had done for Elijah, he had done for Elisha as he prepared him and equipped him for his task. Just as he does for us. That it's the Lord's gift of eternal life that makes us ready to say, Lord, if today's the day you call me home, I'm ready. It's the Lord's gift of courage, of peace, of comfort that leads us to say, and until you call me home, Lord, I'm ready for whatever tasks you put in front of me. Amen. Please stand. Now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds now and always in Christ Jesus. Amen.